Are you the architect who designed this fire trap? Sure. Well, I have a bone to pick with you about it. Well, I care. Well, you should care because it's on fire and there's a bunch of people trapped on the 87th floor, whatever it is. Well, I'm sorry about that, but see, they use substandard materials and they cut, they cut costs and put in bad electricity and then, you know, they piled oily rags on every floor when I specifically told them I want gasoline rags on every I floor. I don't want to hear your excuses. We keep telling you architects we can only fight fires in the basement and you keep making buildings that are 50,000 feet tall or whatever this is. I don't know. You need to knock it off and start asking firemen how to design buildings. We know how to do that. So do you think it was a bad idea that the design included drunk monkeys with lighters? Yes. It's out of control. It's coming your way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time mm-hmm. around, its reputation, somehow it won Oscars. <laughs> I don't, what kind of year was that? <laughs> Some Where kind the, of year. The building on fire stuffed full of celebrities is the one that wins all the Oscars. I mean, this fucking uh. building is stuffed like a cigar, but with celebrities instead of tobacco. Steve, (laughs) what movie are we reviewing? Honestly, if it had been called The Burning Building Stuffed with Celebrities, I think that would have been a better title. (laughs) It would have been inaccurate. We we are doing that classic 1974 disaster movie produced by the king of disaster movies himself, Irwin Allen. For a second, I thought you were going to say The King of Cartoon. The King. Oh, that would have been even more interesting. It's The King, The King. Of cartoons. cartoons. Anyway, yeah, the okay. tower. What is it? The towering the inferno. The towering inferno. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Huzzah. Okay. Hooray for the towering. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. Do you have any, any mm-hmm. trivia for the towering? I do, as a matter of fact. No. Yay. Well, yeah. lay it on me, baby. Maybe, maybe I, that'll cheer me up. Here, you open wide. Here comes some trivia. Uh, so, uh, here, co- here it comes. Just relax okay. your throat. So, um, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't oh. know if you know this or not. I, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul Newman and Steve McQueen did a lot of their own stunts. What? Yeah. Okay. And at one point during the production, a real fire broke out. Can you imagine? And and Steve McQueen helped the firefighters put it out. Good for Steve McQueen. And one of the badass. <laughs> and one of the firefighters working alongside Steve McQueen said, My wife will never believe this. To which Steve McQueen replied, Neither will mine. <laughs> I love him. Me too. I wish Why he was he? not dead. I wish he was not dead. I wish he was still kicking ass at whatever age you would be. Yeah, like a hundred years old or something, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'd be a hundred. No, I don't know if he'd be a hundred, but he he's, you know, he'd be what? up there. Anything's possible, I suppose. He could be a billion. I don't know. He's he is ageless. But I would like to see the headline, Steve McQueen from Wheelchair Beats Up Five Punks. That would yeah. be cool. That would be cool. It'd and the quote is, for the future. they took the lady's purse. What else was I supposed to do? <laughs> yes. And you're like, thank you, Steve McQueen. Yeah. <laughs> There's my faith in humanity restored. Everything will be fine so long as Steve McQueen is still alive and beating up punks. (laughs) 
Why'd people have to imagine that Elvis was still alive? Why couldn't we have imagined that Steve McQueen was still alive? I don't know. Steve, there should be Steve McQueen sightings, like at gas station in the you south. Think? Okay. Sure. Okay, that's it. They accidentally okay. started a fire and yeah. they did that. Um, so another bit, uh, there were 57 sets built for the production, but mm-hmm. only eight were still standing when filming ended. Why? What happened? Because they, I, I guess they set them on fire? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, some theaters exhibited the film as part uh, of a double feature with another new disaster film, Earthquake. Well, that one and sucked. This, <laughs> and, this, and this was billed as the Shake and Bake double feature. Oh, I get it. Because there, the... there was pork in them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. There was pork in why. both of them. I don't know why that... <laughs> Who's the pork in the Towering Inferno? <laughs> Uh, well, Ernest Borgnine's not in that one, so I don't know. <sighs> are, you, are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm great. Okay, so they called it Shake uh, and Bake because they paired it with a crappy disaster. Earthquake and, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So one last bit of trivia. Okay. Okay. So although they got along well professionally, Paul sure. Newman and Steve McQueen were rivals. Really? And as a ter- well, apparently, I've heard this story. Apparently, the rivalry came mostly from Steve McQueen's side mm-hmm. because he and Paul Newman kind of broke into acting together. But Paul Newman became a big star first, mm-hmm. and Steve McQueen felt like he had to like catch up to mm-hmm. where Paul Newman was. Um, so they like they, as far as I know, they got along personally, and there weren't you know they got along working on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like I guess some competition from McQueen's side. Um, but each of them had a reason to be unhappy with their placement in the film because mm. um, Steve McQueen was reportedly bothered by the fact that Paul Newman's character had slightly more lines than his character did. Mm-hmm. While Paul Newman was annoyed that Steve McQueen's character comes across as the more dominant of the two in the film. Mm. Um, they were paid the same mm-hmm. and, and they were each given top billing in the opening credits using the first place above and below arrangement where Paul Newman's name appears first from left to right. But Steve McQueen's name is just a little bit higher. And this was one of the first times that that was done to appease. Why didn't you bring up the other third party in that dispute? Oh, yeah. Uh, William Holden, right? Bill Holden. Who was walked, like, I want to be paid in. Steve McQueen money. And, and they said, like, no. Shut up, old man. Shut up. Shut up, you <laughs> old fossil. No one You're gives a you shit have a about job. you anymore. <laughs> Yeah, be glad he that actually, you got the old man role in this movie. He actually became Norma Desmond. <laughs> but they put they had to put his name on the poster, too. Yes, his name was on the poster. And honestly, I mean, he was, you know, there were, I mean, there, like you said, there's tons of celebrities in this. When you go through the cast list, we'll see. But I mean, other than Steve McQueen and Paul Newman, I would say William Holden probably was the biggest star in the, in the movie. Sure. He was a you big know. deal. He was, yeah. you know, 20 years prior. But I mean, and he, he was uh, a big come deal. On. He, had, he had just done The Wild Bunch five years before. Yeah, the movie about old <laughs> men doing shit. <laughs> A bunch of old, almost dead, you know, cowboys doing stuff. Yeah, that exactly. That was the whole premise. This this one was different. They needed vital, young, well, 40-year-old guys. <laughs> vital, young Steve McQueen. Yes, that's right. Um, okay, what else? Come on, give me that, more, that, more that's trivia. That's it. That's all more I got. Trivia. That's is all I cat, got. Is the cat still alive? I would guess probably not. Okay, so I can You know what? The, what? O.J. O- o- Simpson killed the cat. So you just, you, this was going to be a surprise when I read the cast list. 
I'm sorry. It was Forget I said surprise. that. Did I say yeah, O.J. Simpson? Yeah, I meant like Jim Brown. Jim Brown. No, just no, like, it was just like it, it was, was a surprise for us when we watched the fucking movie. That's true. We went, I was like, we went, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, is that who I think it is? It is. Oh, I forgot he was in this. Oh, I hope shit. he's only in this scene. Oh, nope. he's in it a lot. Oh man! Why is he the only smart one and the hero? What is <laughs> why, is, why is he the only smart one? <sighs> and normally it puts us really conflicted. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. for me it makes because it's O.J. Simpson. But at the uh-huh. same time, you're kind of like it's a 1974 movie where the only one that's competent and knows how to do any stuff is the black guy. Is the black guy? So it's like, oh, how do I feel about this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, it was directed by John Gillerman. Gillerman? Is that his name? G-U-I-L-L. I guess, yeah. Gillerman. yeah. Gillerman, yeah. And you know him from such classic classics as Shaft in Africa. Ooh. And the remake of King Kong. Oh, my and God. And its sequel, King Kong Lives. Now, which is a favorite of mine. So, Steve, what's the deal mm-hmm. with this dude and the Twin Towers? <laughs> I mean, oh, shit, yeah. Because when I was watching the Towering Inferno, I was kind of like, "Is the Twin Towers gonna like completely and totally like no one wants to see this movie anymore?" Because when I was watching it, I was getting little twinges of, "Yeah, that's yeah," that's especially terrible. like, "Oh, we the, like the people are trapped on the floors above the fire, and it's like, and oh, they're fuck. falling out yeah, of the building." Uh, I don't know if I like that. And now we know what happens to buildings when they catch on fire like that. And also, how did they put how many millions of gallons of water were on the top of? Oh, a a lot enough to enough to put the fire out. Apparently, I think they said six million gallons of water are sitting. Why though? A a gallon of water weighs how much? Eight pounds or something? Was it? What did it double as like the water tower for the city of San Francisco? Is that they want to make sure that when the earthquake hits the heaviest part of the building is at the very top of it. It just goes straight down and pulverizes <laughs> the whole building. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, he directed this and King Kong, the remake, is famous for King Kong climbing to the top of the Twin Tower. Yeah, yeah. Screenplay by Sterling Siliphant. That No, that's not a made-up Dr. Seuss name. That's I was just going to say. <laughs> but his other uh, screenplay is in the heat of the night. So that's quite a career track. <laughs> this is based on The Tower by Richard Stern and The Glass Inferno by Thomas N. Sortis Frank and Frank M. Robinson. See, uh, there was going to be two movies that were coming out in the same year about a building on fire and they were based on two different sources which i just read the tower and the glass inferno and they just pushed them together and made the towering inferno isn't that great steve so they just they they smushed them up and made one movie well this is a joint production because it's a joint production between 20th century fox who owned one property and warner brothers who owned the other property and they said hey you got chocolate in my peanut butter and you got (laughs) peanut butter in my chocolate and they just pushed them together and it worked because apparently everyone watched this it made all the money produced by erwin allen and you know him for things like lost in space and the poseidon mm-hmm. adventure he um, he kind of did he he pivoted from likably cheesy sci-fi in the 60s mm-hmm. to huge budget disaster movies in yeah. the 70s where did he get the money to do that what, what happened have... starring steve mcqueen as michael o'halloran the the fire guy yeah do i have to tell you who steve should I? He was. He's been in. Like, <laughs> he's been in some movies, like Bullet. 
which we're going to have to review at some point. Yeah. You know, the Great Escape and the Sand. The Getaway. Cabin, the Blob, the Getaway. Oh, yeah. And just standing around looking fucking <laughs> for a guy who's not really all that handsome, but fucking cool. He is. Paul Newman as Doug Roberts. And you know Paul and shit. Why do I have to do this? Why? Steve, tell him something that Steve Newman's been in. <laughs> Steve Why Newman. do I have to do this? Why? Tell him, tell him something that Paul Newman's been Paul in. Paul Newman. Well, I always was a big fan of The Hustler. Yeah, he was in The Hustler. Yeah. And the, the Hustler, Color of Money, the long The Color, yeah, people. right. Uh, the Verdict. Hmm? Um, what else? Oh, he uh, late in his career, he played the, uh, the 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 mob boss in um, what was the Tom Hanks mob movie? Oh, Road to he, Perdition. Road to Perdition. Yeah, he's where he gets to to double axe handle uh, his son, played by Daniel Craig. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. has to he double axe handle him across the back and go, "I curse the fucking day you were born." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, him. Also, like Great cool actor. hand, cool hand Luke. Cool hand Luke. Like yeah, yeah. Butch baby and blues. Those 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 blue eyes, baby. Butch and Sundance. Yeah, Butch and Sundance. There you go. Tons of stuff. Yep. William Holden is James Duncan. What else has he been in, Steve? Uh, Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wild Bunch. Yep. We just that the two we just mentioned. Uh, Sabrina, I think, wasn't he in Sabrina? Yeah, he wasn't Sabrina. Yeah. It was the yeah. other guy that wasn't Humphrey Bogart. Faye Dunaway and <laughs> Susan. I don't know. Faye Dunaway. Is that's right. Susan Franklin, and she's been in movies like Network and Bunny and Clyde and Mommy Dearest and Supergirl and nothing and nothing. She hasn't been working lately. Is she alive? I don't know. Yeah, I think she's still alive. Yeah. Fred Astaire as Charles Claire Claiborne, and it's Fred Astaire. Fuck you if you don't know him. Susan Blakely as Patty Duncan Simmons. And she was in the TV show Rich Man, Poor Man. Anyone remember that? Congratulations. You're old like me. <laughs> Richard Chamberlain is Roger Simmons. And he's been in, like, he's most famous for, like, the Thornbirds the and Thorn Shogun. Birds, yeah. and Dr. Jennifer, Kildare. Jennifer Jones as Lissolette Mueller. Nothing. O.J. Simpson as a guy that we have to contend with because he's in this movie. God damn it. As Harry Jernigan, Robert Vaughn as U.S. Senator Gary Parker. What else is it? Man from Uncle? Yeah. Superman. And you know, he has that, and he has that great line in the movie where he turns to William Holden and he says, I asked you to build an indestructible skyscraper. And you're he telling did. me you couldn't he even did. do that one he, he simple not. thing. He did not say that line in the movie. He didn't he say it, but, he, he but I wish he had, though. I wish Su- he had. Susan Flannery is Laurie soap opera. Sheila Matthews Allen is Paula Ramsey. Nothing. Norman Burton is Will Giddings. Nothing. Jack Collins is Mayor Robert Bob Ramsey. Nothing. Don Gordon is Cappy. Felton Perry is <laughs> Scott. And you guys will know who Felton Perry is. The minute I saw him, I was like, shit, that guy is really old. And he was um, that guy from Robocop. You know, what's his name's friend? You know, the other guy, the one that's always like, yeah, Robocop. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, Robocop. He's the one that works for OCP. He was what's his what's his nuts partner that lives, not the one that gets blown up. Uh, the, Donald Johnson, guy. it says in the credits. Okay, whatever. Yeah. It's that guy. And but I mean, he was in uh, Robocop and Dirty Harry. Um, yeah. Gregory Sierra as Carlos, a TV at Barney and Sanford and Son. And because we probably won't cover it because it's so much fucking... He gets crushed by a statue and he shouldn't have. He was a nice guy. He gave those kids ice cream sundaes after all the bullshit they yeah, had to go through. Yeah, he didn't deserve that. 
No, he didn't. Um, Ernie, actually, a lot of people don't deserve to die. <laughs> That's true. This movie. That um, sure is true. <laughs> Ernie Oras or fuck you. Orasati, it looks like. Orasati is Mark Powers. Nothing. Dabney Coleman as uh-huh. a surprise cameo. He wasn't famous yet, so he's not really a cameo. But he's the SF deputy chief. He turns around and you're like, shit, Dabney Coleman. And he's been in things like Boardwalk Empire and Iceland yeah. and stuff. Um, Elizabeth Rogers as Lady and Bowie. And Leicester as guest. Norm Grabowski as Flacker, Navy Air Rescue Chief. Ross Elliott as San Francisco Fire Department Deputy Chief 1. Olin Soleil as Johnson. Carlina Gower as Angela Albright. Mike Lookinland, who made me blink and and do the cartoon thing where I rub my <laughs> eyes. That's Philip Albright, and you guys know him from... He's Bobby from the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Doesn't have a whole lot of lines. Probably was glad to get away from the Brady Bunch. Like, we're going to endanger you or anything. Yeah, well, because he, he, was, he was one of the youngest kids on the Brady Bunch, so he was among the last to lose his virginity to his step-sibling. Steve said that. I didn't say that. Steve, Steve made to that all you, weird to, protest, to, check, to, joke. To all you people who, are, who, who hold the Brady Bunch to be sacrosanct, you listen to our show. Yeah. They push it. They push him into that bathroom that connects the girls' room to the boys' room, and they push Cindy and him in there. And this, it's time to fulfill the family pact. <laughs> See, I was just thinking it would be consensual. You're the one who turned it into a weird, like, coercive thing. Until the blo- until the cloth with the blood on it comes out, you shall not leave or eat. <laughs> uh, I told you. So yeah. You put the wrong ingredients in me, and dark <laughs> fucking shit comes out. I love it. All right. Uh, Carol McAvoy is Mrs. Albright. Nothing. Scott Newman is young fireman. You know, that's Paul Newman. Yeah. He was a Nepotism. Fuck he was a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I read about him, he's, everyone's like, yeah, he's a, I don't want to speak to that state. But he but... did make. He didn't really make it to the eighties. I don't. I don't think he made it oh, to the eighties. Well, that's so, too bad. He had uh, drug problems, and that really tormented Paul Newman for a while. And so he started a whole. You know, he was his only son, yeah. right? And he so has a couple. He has yeah. a couple lines in here, which is fine, I guess. Nothing with his dad because he's always with uh, Steve McQueen. Well, his dad didn't want to get any of the stink on him. Oh, stop! He was like, put him in the movie, but don't let him get too close to me. And Paul Kami as Tim, and that's a short list of the cast. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> Cinematography for Fred J. Konekamp. And he did movies like Patton and Papio. Also, Joseph Barak, and he did, like, It's a Wonderful Life. Which, wow. good job. You did a good job on It's a Beautiful yeah. Movie. Yeah. Um, edited by Carl Cress and Harold F. Cress. I didn't write anything down, so that means they didn't do anything, or I was being jostled in my airplane seat by a drunk man. <laughs> and I turned to say, I will break all of you if you don't stop. My daughter hates me. Everyone, 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 on, this plane hates everyone you. <laughs> on this plane hates your rotten, stinking guts, but not as much as we hate the, the flight attendants that let you on to this plane, this goddamn drunk. Um, anyway, you guys are getting a peek into my private life. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Music, and you wouldn't really be able to tell, by John Williams. Yeah. 
when he was like not John Williams that we know. Not yet. Right? Not yeah. yet. This is a pretty boring soundtrack, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, I mean the 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 opening title music is pretty distinctive, but other than that, I mean, it's but not, he never yeah. he never came up with like a catchy sound for a building on fire. <laughs> no, no, he really didn't. <laughs> Um, uh, blah, blah. production company Irwin Allen Productions, distributed by 20th Century Fox in the United Canada, and Warner Brothers interns released on December 14th, 1984, running time to goddamn long. How much mm-hmm. of this movie could have been cut out? Just set the goddamn building on fire. They, they could have. They they could have made some cuts. <laughs> it could have been nothing. It could have been nothing but cuts. <sighs> Budget fourteen million, eighty four million in today's box office one point two billion dollars adjusted. I mean, it made two hundred and three million back in nineteen seventy four money when it had value, and now <laughs> one point two billion dollars. That's it. Okay, woo. So, uh, Steve, a building uh-huh. caught fire and then it was not on fire. The end. <laughs> You kind of yeah, that's that's the quick and dirty summary. Yeah, yeah. Steve, are you do, okay? Let's put on our firefighting uniforms. Oh boy, put on our hat and our coat and yeah. the thing that lets us breathe. Yeah. And, uh, Why are the tanks so heavy? Shut up! You you just quoted Steve McQueen. I know, and, and I, did, I did it in a I did it in a baby voice like, too. He didn't say it like <laughs> oh, that. I'm st- Why are the tanks so heavy? I hope his fucking zombie. He knows I'm just playing. Steve McQueen knows I love him. We have that kind of a relationship. You hear a we knock at the door. You open it. There's a there's a knocked out Instacart delivery guy, and Steve McQueen is eating your fucking sandwich, and he punches you right in the face. And it's the zombie of Steve McQueen, but he looks exactly the same. Yeah, he hasn't changed at all. He hasn't changed a bit because he's holding it together. Because um, because even as a dead guy, he's holding it together. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you ready to run I'm into ready. this? Run it, and you know what? I will say that at least the movie producers went out of their way to acknowledge that firefighters are kind of heroes in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they kind of do things that you know other people wouldn't do. Yeah, like run into a burning <laughs> building and try to save yeah. people. Weird how that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean they'll see a they'll see a place that is completely on fire, and if someone says. There could be people on the fourth floor. They go into the Let's building. Go. Yeah. <laughs> they go into the building that is on fire. That's right. Sometimes they're dropped in from above. Sometimes they got to climb a ladder. And sometimes they don't come back from yeah. So thank you, movie. Anyway, Steve, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Me and you climb 89 flights of stairs in a <laughs> skyscraper that's 135 feet tall uh, I think, yeah tall? yeah something like that built in san francisco yep we already have a skyscraper in san francisco that is starting to tilt because it wasn't cemented into the bedrock oh no and that's they're, they're trying to figure out uh, figure out a way to correct it <laughs> what are we gonna do <laughs> they have videos of people who have bought you know condos in their apartments dropping a marble on the floor and what roll oh. <laughs> That's not good. No, it's not. No, it's not. Could anyway, they maybe let's... just get someone in one of the buildings across the street with like a long two by four and just kind of push just it back? Prop it up. Yeah. 
No, that's not how buildings work. Okay, I'll just a suggestion. Buildings work by you build them and you fill them full of oily rags and monkeys with lighters. <laughs> I already told you that. Did yeah, you listen right. to the sketch? Yeah. You, you put the oily rags into the electrical closet. That's right, next to <laughs> the monkeys t- with lighters. <laughs> and you just leave them be. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's me and you run into the towering Virgo. Steve, take it away. Well, before we get to the towering inferno, we get a helicopter shot of one of our lead characters, played by Paul Newman. He's Doug Roberts, the the architect who designed the tower. He's arriving at the tower via helicopter, and that takes five minutes. That take we get to hear some John Williams music play while we watch <laughs> every inch of the helicopter's <laughs> flight over San Francisco until it lands on the roof. Um, and he's been away for a while, but he's back. Because uh, tonight is a big night. Tonight is the party for the dedication for the tower because it's the tallest building in the world. And it's finally, it's finally being, you know, opened. And yeah, so, but I mean, it's already open. Like there's already people that live there and businesses that have offices there, but tonight's like the big party to, you know, to To kick it off. Yeah, that's right. And he's like, I'm, re- I'm retiring after this, or <laughs> yeah, I really don't care. He's like, I'm gonna retire after this, and you can't he hire goes, me yeah. back. And then we and meet. He, well, well, yeah. well, he yeah, we meet. He goes to his office, which is in the tower, of course. And his girlfriend Susan is there, and that's Faye Dunaway. And mm-hmm. she says, Hey, look, you have a bedroom behind your office. Let's have sex in it. And she and he's like, Okay. Mm-hmm. So and so they go do that. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut down to the control room where we see that there's security guards and one of them is a guy that we recognize. Yeah. And he's like, something's broken. We need to check it out. And everyone's like, (laughs) whatever. There's a big... We don't don't need to check it out. (laughs) There's there's major Titanic vibes. Yes, there Uh, is. There's like there's like two characters in the movie who are like there are certain problems with this building and we should you know we should look into those and literally everybody else is like fuck you. No, we don't. This building is perfect. Everything's fine. And meanwhile, he's checking the monitors. And I don't know if it happens now. I don't think it happens ten minutes in the movie. It's possible. Not quite yet, but yeah. Anyway, we cut back to Bill Holden. He's talking to a whole bunch. We find out. There's problems in the building. One of the problems is, is that his son-in-law is a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's right. Well, his son-in-law is one of the contractors. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Holden built the building. Right. And Paul Newman designed the building. And he has not shown up to a meeting. So they tell him, hey, go go get him. Go, go to his him. house and get him. And his wife is there. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I just never hear. I hate him. I hate his rotten, stinking guts. I hope he falls. I hope he falls down on fire. Yeah, out of some, some kind point. of chair that is dangling. <laughs> yeah, from a good old rescue dangle chair. That's what <laughs> one I want. of those. That's what I want. But then he comes <laughs> and home, and it's Richard Chamberlain. Mm-hmm, Richard yeah. Chamberlain, and he's coated in oil, and he's such a scumbag, and you hate him almost immediately, <laughs> right? And then we're introduced to uh, a con man. Yeah, the, the world, Fred Astaire guy. The world's oldest con man. Sure. Fred Astaire, who's there to con a lady by getting her to buy fake. Yeah, that's right. He's a bad a, man. He's a bad, yeah. bad twinkly-eyed old man. He's and a t- <laughs> yes. Anyway, Paul Newman had to go there to pick everybody up. 
And I, I don't care when this happens or how this happens. None of you watched it. None of you watch them when I say watch them. And I hope you did it. But at some point, when an old lady and two stupid kids and a cat and yeah. another lady. The, there is a the bunch parent, of characters. There's a bunch of characters that we have to run into or meet or whatever. And then they have the grand opening and the guy cuts the, and it's him. And it's, he has some problems cutting them. And I don't think land. <laughs> We're using that take. Yeah. <laughs> He's the mayor. We meet Robert Wagner, who's there, and he's like another guy, and he's like the leasing guy. Is he the guy that sells the property? Because he's showing these old people around, and he's having an affair with his secretary. Yeah, and he said when he gets into his office, he's not having an affair because married. They're just boyfriend. They're just screwing. Meanwhile, down in some part of the uh, whatever floor it is, I don't care. The 53rd? Is it the 53rd? The 83rd. Floor? It's the 83rd. A ghost pops open a, a panel and it spits sparks onto some oily rags that are just laying around. Uh oh. And a fire starts. And the security people are like, oh. Wonder what that's all about. It's setting off a thingy. Then we cut up to the party at the very top of the building where everyone is white and, and drinking and stuff. And then they're calling people. The security people are like, we got a fire or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and so they call the fire department, don't they? Doesn't someone yeah. call the fire department? Well, I think they I, call the fire department. Well, yeah, when, when they finally notice the fire, yeah. Because they, be, before, they, before they notice the fire, there's also problems with the wiring, remember? There's like... Um, and Paul Newman, because he's the architect, notices that like there's there, there's something wrong with the wiring, and they have the power in the building working they on an overload. They use substandard wiring. They didn't do it the way he said. To- they cut corners. Richard Chamberlain cut corners. Everyone's telling him we got to stop this because there's going to be a fire. Right. And everyone's like, no, there won't. Shut up. We get we're, we're going to have those beaches open. It's going to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to be. There's something else. They keep calling up to Bill Holden, who has to pick up the phone every five seconds, because then they call the fire department. The fire department runs in, and they get to work, baby, don't they? Oh, yeah. Steve McQueen's there. That's when Steve like, McQueen shows up. And he's like, set up, we're going to set up on 53, where they're reporting a fire. O.J. Simpson is like, they're, I, I've been calling people. No one gives a shit. No one's listening to me. There's a bunch of people up on the top floor. And now the fire is starting to spread. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the guys hanging out with Paul Newman, they go to that floor because they get a report of fire and and then they open the door and he gets caught on fire and he's dead. And Uh then they have to send Steve McQueen up to the roof. And so that they won't panic, he takes off his jacket. and Yeah. Yeah. Which is smart. Very quietly goes up to Bill Holden. He says to circuit. And Bill Holden says, you go fuck yourself. And that's not something you should ever say to Steve McQueen. No, That's not no, a thing. You don't ever say that. You don't talk <laughs> like that to Steve McQueen. But I mean, you know, he does agree to start sending people down th- down to the lobby, right? Yeah. He said, "We're yeah. gonna go downstairs, and there'll be, still be free drinks and food. You bunch of fucking rich parasites. You're always around. Yeah. <laughs> don't Good worry, man. rich people. You'll still get free food. <laughs> That's right. And uh, meanwhile, the the fire department are there in force, and they're already saying shit, right? Yeah. Because now fire is starting to is has spilled out of the windows. It's not looking good. They're starting to fight that fire, and then for some reason I don't. Oh, and the lady, the old the lady who has the who's the friend of the woman with two kids. 
needs to go get the kids, and she goes down yeah. to the floor. And that's filling up. That's bad. she's that's filling up with smoke, and she's pounding on the door. And the two idiot children will not open the door, even though they know her. And she's like, "The building is on fire, and it's filling up with smoke." Meanwhile, <laughs> I guess Robert Wagner has his own apartment in the building. Yeah, yeah. And and him as his lady friend go fuck. Yeah. Right? And he notices that there's a smell of smoke, and then there's no phone. Well, because he had he had his sec his other secretary turn the phones off before right, she left. Because right. he's like, I'm going to be fucking this other secretary. I don't want no phone calls. So <laughs> that isn't what happens. Anyway, um, <laughs> now everything's on fire, and everything every, everything's on fire. Some somehow it's, they get the kids get out of the room, right? And then they're with yeah, Paul yeah. Newman. Well, Paul Newman Paul Newman gets them out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Paul Newman gets him out, and there's fire and smoke everywhere, and Robert Wagner and his girlfriend are trapped in the bedroom, and then he says, I'm going to wrap myself with wet towels, and I can run real fast. That does not work. Does he crash through, <laughs> does he crash through a window? I just, want to, I just want to say, I mean, I, I cover this a little bit later on when we're doing our reviews, okay. but I just want to say, since we're at that scene right now. Sure. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. This scene. Because he tells, you know, they have their little goodbye scene where he's wrapped in the wet towel. And uh. she's like, don't do it. Don't go. And he's like, don't worry. I've Somebody's got to go and just relax. When I come back, I'll have the whole fire department with me. And she's like, okay. Uh. And they kiss goodbye. He walks he, into the he next he room. He opens the door. <laughs> he immediately catches fire. There's not okay. like... There's not like a shot of him like trying to dodge and weave and then he trips. No, he he steps out into the other room and he immediately catches completely on fire his entire yep. body. And he staggers through the room on fire the whole time and then he finally hits one of the windows and crashes through and falls. It's fucking hysterical. Mhm. Meanwhile, one of the elevators, for whatever reason, opens on a floor that's on fire. I don't Oops. know who pushed the button for that floor. But then <laughs> fire, being intelligent, goes, oh, people, and shoots fire into the elevator. And I guess one of the people in, and rather than the elevator continuing to go down, goes back up for some reason. Yeah, exactly. So, so the people at the party can see the a horror show. Stag stagger out. <laughs> With a pile of dead, burning bodies behind them. Yep. And he yep. staggers out. Fred Astaire puts the coat out. I'm not even going to bother with the subplot of Fred Astaire and the old lady. Yeah. Fred I Astaire falls in love with a lady at the party. Who knows that he's yeah. a con man. Who finds out that he's a con man, and she doesn't care because he's Fred Astaire, I guess. Meanwhile, one of the doors... So up on the penthouse where they're having this party, one of the doors is filled with smoke and the other emergency door can't open. Right. So then they tell them, you guys got to start evacuating the outside elevator because this building has an outside. Yeah, like a scenic elevator that goes, yeah. 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 That is attached by dental floss. And <laughs> apparently. <little> apparently. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Paul Newman's trying to get the kids down the stairs, but then gas pipes just start exploding for no reason. Ah, you know, that'll happen when you let Richard Chamberlain subcontract the construction. And then there's stairway hijinks, so then they gotta go back up, and then they're at the door that won't open. But thankfully, and I didn't know this, firefighters carry plastic explosives on them. Yeah, <laughs> into burning buildings, who so knew? If, I guess if they catch on fire, they don't suffer, right? <laughs> so... 
I, that's the only reason. <laughs> At I least think I'll of. go quick. Can you think of any other reason? I can't. I can't. Meanwhile, every firefighter in the world is now fighting this fire, right? Yeah. And Paul Newman has to crawl around in the ducks, and you know he has to crawl up stuff. Steve McCrawling all over the place fighting fires and stuff. And, jeez, it's now been more than an hour that you've been watching this movie, and you're oh, just... Yeah. You're just kind of done, and you're tired, and you just don't want to see anymore. And you look, and you, holy shit, there's still an hour left. In the, <laughs> more than an hour left. Anyway, they get the kids. They get the kids up and right. Then mm-hmm. they pile. They pile some stuff in front of them. Richard Chamberlain has been drinking because everyone's like, "This is your fault." You're gonna. Everyone's mad at him. You're gonna burn for this, Richard Chamberlain. And he goes, I'm going to try to escape. And so he moves the stuff out from in front of the door and he tries to run down the stairs. But there's fire and explosions and stuff on his back. And he he goes, comes oh. back up all scorched and he's like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and he was like, if you're smart, you'll come with me, my wife. And so I'm not. And he's like, <laughs> fuck you then. How about that? How about fuck you? So now Paul Newman and the kids are up in the penthouse. Everyone is still trapped in the penthouse. A helicopter tries to come. <laughs> that doesn't and, go well. And land on the roof. And what happens to it? Well, it's a little windy, you see. And I, the yeah. helicopter the helicopter turns sideways and crashes and explodes. <laughs> yeah, you know. So now everyone else in the building, I think, has gotten it, right? And O.J. Simpson yeah. found the cat. Yeah. So they're up on the roof, and someone comes up with the idea. Everyone's going to be leaving from the scenic elevator, and the women is going to go for. They put the kids in the scenic elevator, right? Yeah. And they, then they put the mayor's wife in the elevator, and Faye Dunaway. Later. Yeah, and the lady that that Fred Astaire has the hots for. That's right, and that's great because now they'll be safe down. Oh, sure. They're fine. They're fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally nope. safe. Whoops. A part of the, Part of the building explodes, which makes the the dental floss that's holding the elevator up snap a little bit. And now, oh no, what's happening, right? Fred Astaire's girlfriend just unceremoniously falls to her Oh yeah, just falls out. She's just Whoops! Oh shit. So now, okay, so two things are happening. One, they're going to do the dangle chair, right? They're going to do the dangle chair from the... uh, where they are in the penthouse to the roof of another of a nearby building, right? Right. So they can get one person out at a time, right? And so they're throwing ropes to the people that are up at the penthouse, and then I don't. They I well, hope, they they they, they get they, a few people. They they I get a few people they out. All die. <laughs> they they get a few people out, and then Richard well, no Chamberlain way. starts getting Nancy. Because next, Steve McQueen has got to dangle from a rope. That's right. To save the elevator, to, to save, save the people the, in the scenic elevator that's hanging on the by the elevator. Yeah. There's a fireman in the elevator with them that is on top of, and he slips, and he then Steve McQueen has to grab him and hold him for like for fucking ever <laughs> for the whole time that it's being lowered down by the helicopter. But the helicopter does get it lowered down, and yay! Thank you, Steve and McQueen. Thank you, Steve McQueen. <sighs> Meanwhile, they got the dangle thing, the dangle chair, right? And the dangle chair, they can only take one at a time, and it's the women that are going to go for it. And if, and if Richard Chamberlain had his way, he'd push everybody off the building and just jump <laughs> in the, the dangle chair all by himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, the captain of fire people tells Steve, hey, listen, um, 
there's no way to save this building. We can't put the fire out. <laughs> it turns out fire is really bad for a building like this. Break out the marshmallows because there's nothing stopping this thing way up. Unless we have a crazy... Now, here's the great part about it. At least it wasn't a crazy plan from the architect or any of the lead character. Right. For once, it was a professional stepping forward saying, we've analyzed the building and this is the we can think of to put the fire. Right. These, these morons put six million gallons of water at the top of this tower. <laughs> Had no idea why they were doing that at the time. We, we honestly don't know why there are six million gallons of water at the top of the building, but there is. We're going to send you up there with a bomb or several bombs. Several you're gonna, bombs. You're going to blow them up. And maybe, maybe the water will put the fire out. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try. And they're like, okay, but the water might push everybody out. It might kill everybody. Explosions on the fire might kill everybody on the penthouse. But this is the only way to put the fire out and maybe save some of them, right? Right. That's the idea. Meanwhile, in the dangle chair, all the ladies have gotten out, and now it's a bunch of, okay, we all took numbers, but I'm going on there first. And he's got a bunch of goons who are like, yeah, we're team. Get on the chair first. And no one stopped to think there's only one there. What are we, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> Grab on, everybody. While they're fighting, Steve McQueen says, hey, yeah, I'm the badass. I'm going to come up there and blow up stuff. And when that's happening, this gaggle of morons <laughs> jumps onto the chair Robert Vaughn jumps onto the chair to get him to stop. He gets kicked off to his death. Everybody gets kicked off to their death because Richard Chamberlain is openly murdering people now. <laughs> and then I can't remember what happens. The explosion that causes it to. to I think come so, up yeah. It, there's an explosion and it catches fire and the ropes yeah. burn through or something. Yeah, then, but the, the whole thing the chair, falls. The chair falls and Richard Chamberlain fucking finally goddamn dies. And then they're going to take him up. How do they get Steve McQueen up there again? Helicopter, uh, isn't it? I think. Okay. Or, or, or yeah, I think no, so. No, it, yeah. it is helicopter. Yeah, because there's and no other way up there. at that point. Yeah. And then he tells everybody, okay, you're going to tie yourself to, like, stuff. And then when the, <laughs> the explosions go off, all the water is going to come down. And it might put out the fire. We don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it might also kill you. Who knows? Yeah, you might go out the window. And everybody's up there. Fire, firefighter guy from Robocop and Paul Newman and Fred Astaire and Bill Holden and everybody. And they put it on a counter. And then there's a bunch of explosions and people getting shot in the face with, like, fire hoses. I know they were fire hoses. <laughs> um, what's kind of impressive are the explosion sequences because they're showing reactions of actors in the foreground to explosions mm -hmm. that are happening behind. Yeah. So you get a kind of real reaction to the sudden explosion. Anyway, uh, this sequence goes on for way too long. I agree. And then the water comes out and manages to put out every fire in this 135 <laughs> tall building. <clears throat> Yay. Um, cut to the ground floor where some people stare at Richard Chamberlain's dead body. And, you know, his wife's Bill Holt. I I don't know. I don't get blamed for this. <laughs> this is I still don't... kind of my fault. <laughs> OJ Simpson gives Fred Astaire a cat because the cat belonged to the old lady that fell out of the window. Right. Someone someone told him, Oh, hey, you knew that old lady. And they're like, he's like, Yeah. Here's she didn't she died. <laughs> she randomly fell out of an elevator. Here's her she, cat. Congratulations. She, she fell out of the elevator. Actually, she was kind of saving the little girl. Was she? 
Yeah. She grabbed the little girl and turned around and pushed her back into the elevator. So she so died a hero's death. So she died a hero's death. But, you know, poor old, he doesn't get any money. He doesn't get to con anybody. He doesn't no. get anything. He just gets a little furry mouth to feed. That's right. And um, we cut to Paul Newman sitting on a stool, sitting on the stairs in front of the building, right? Yeah. And with he's Faye like, Dunaway. with Faye Dunaway. And he's kind of like, well, that happened, I guess. <laughs> you know, maybe if we weren't fucking, I could have fu- got that fire before it killed all these people and everything. <laughs> Meanwhile, Steve McQueen just has to get, what does he say? Why don't you start asking firefighters how to build these goddamn buildings? Yeah. Why don't you listen to us? Because <laughs> remember, they only refer to each other as, he only calls them architects, right? Right, right. And Paul Newman says, well, I'm asking now. Okay, geez. Please tell me. <laughs> Please tell me what to do. <laughs> and then we watch Steve McQueen, like a badass, get into his fire and drive away. And we pan out. And it's fucking over. God the damn it. The end. Shortest, shortest recap we've ever done. It's a long movie, but not a lot happens. <laughs> so, Steve. Yeah. Steve, yes. How do you feel about this towering waste of my fucking time? The towering inferno. So this is what Hollywood blockbusters were like before George Lucas invented Star Wars. No, before Jaws. Before <laughs> That's true. Jaws. Before Jaws. Before Jaws. Because everyone was likes to run Jaws. to Star Wars, but they forgot that Jaws is what really made the summer. But Jaws like... was also a disaster movie. No, it wasn't. It's just the disaster. The ja- the disaster was a big fish. It's an animal gone amuck movie. It's another it's horror a, movie. It's an animal gone amuck movie. It's a universal um, horror movie. <clears throat> That's true, it is. It should be um, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and the Shark from Jaws. That's, there you go. That's you true. Know, you can that's have the, the creature from the Black Lagoon riding him. <laughs> yes. They're dating. They're, yeah, they have a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. No, as, far as, as far as this goes, it's, um, it's really interesting to watch because it's this star-studded, obviously expensive impressively mounted melodrama is what it is. Yeah. Like if you look at the actual story, it's a melodrama. Um, it's like a soap opera. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's a relic of a bygone age when wrangling together an all-star cast like this and attaching them to a high concept story was all you needed to, to draw a crowd. And there's something quaint and kind of charming about the very idea of it. Um, and up to a point, I think it kind of works. Uh, the setup is fairly simple. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people trapped on a high floor of a skyscraper while the fire rages out of control below. And, and and the story spins out of that setup in a variety of ways, all of which make sense. So by the end of the movie, you can sit back and think, yeah, I think they did just about everything you can do with a movie about people trapped in a burning building, you know? Sure. Um, the thing is, the setup does take a while. Oh, uh, like, 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 like we've talked about already. I mean, a lot of stuff in this movie takes a while. Yep. Um, which is its biggest problem. But but once everything is in place, there are parts of the movie that I think are fairly compelling. Um sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say I was riveted the entire time because I wasn't, but it is an essentially compelling scenario. And once everything is set, it becomes mostly about process. You know, yeah. the major characters have little stories, but this isn't a character-driven movie. This is an event movie. It's about action and stunts and suspense and twists and turns as yeah. these people try to figure out how to survive. And so the screenplay is 
it's impressive for the way it, it manages to organize everything. Um, it's not necessarily a very good story on a human level, but just in terms of how much is going on at the same time and that it can keep it all straight. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think about the structure of the story and I think of just so many index cards pinned to a cork board. Just yeah. Doing, okay. Where's Paul Newman and this? Okay. And where's Steve McQueen when he's doing that? Okay. Um, and it feels like writing this movie would have been a very technical exercise. Um, but there also is some proper good old fashioned storytelling going on here. Uh, the, the movie is very good at the basics. It knows when to raise the stakes. It keeps finding ways to escalate the threat right up until the end. It knows when to throw unexpected obstacles in the way of the characters. One of the things uh, that I say over and over again about uh, story structure is, and especially in movies like this that run on action and suspense, is the importance of the characters having a plan and then the plan blows up in their faces. And sure. that happens in this movie over and over and over again. Um, also, the movie knows how to use its two biggest stars, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. Oh, uh, they're, they're earning their money. They they're both great. Got paid a, yeah. They both got paid a million dollars. They, yeah, they role. both got, and they, they meet very briefly when Steve McQueen arrives at the scene of the fire and they have some exchanges there and then they kind of go their separate ways and they spend most of the movie apart doing their own things. And then they come back together at the end to set the bombs because Paul Newman helps Steve McQueen put the bombs on the, the water tanks. Um, and that is kind of satisfying seeing them team up at the end mm -hmm. after they've been separate for most of the movie. So yeah, I mean, not everything works. It's way too long, like, like absurdly overlong like it's at least an hour too long there's no mm. reason there's no reason other than just to make it feel big and epic for this movie to even be over two hours let alone two and a half hours here's how you cut 15 minutes out of them <laughs> please just off this is just me yeah the go discussion for it. between paul newman and bill holden happens in the helicopter on the way to the building oh my god that would have saved so much time mm -hmm. that would have saved so much time and there's plenty of other examples of that in the film that yeah. they could have done that would have saved them so much. But Absolutely. They, I don't know if running time was like a big deal. I wanted the most out of my $3, so make yeah, it as long it, as humanly possible. Well, I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels yeah. like, well, this is a big epic movie with all these movie stars, and it's like this high concept thing. The world's tallest building is burning down, and all these people are trapped. And if it's only 90 minutes, well, people might feel cheated. You know, so let's make it two hours and a half instead of one hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, I feel like half the movie, you mentioned, you know, how they could save time just cutting out or, or you know, having more efficient ways of delivering information instead of all those conversations. Um, I felt like when I was watching it, like half the movie is just Paul Newman in that fucking collapsed stairwell <laughs> with those kids and, and the lady trying to get everybody doing, down from the top floor the, to the lower floor. Doing the monkey bars. <laughs> Yeah, doing the monkey bars. And like they would cut away to something else and cut back. And it's like, they're still doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, Jesus Christ, just get them down off of there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's compelling for one scene. But like, let's not stretch this out too much. Jesus. I mean, we kind of um, know. I don't know if this movie established the trope. But the trope is there's a thing. And everyone needs to get past the thing. Yeah. And the thing is dangerous. And you know that at least one person in the group is going to die trying right. to do the it's thing. Right, is not going to make it past the thing, yeah. Right. But none of them kids die. <laughs> no, they all make it. They all make it. Yeah. They all make it, which is like, okay, let's just get them over to the other side a lot quicker then. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> if we know they're going to make it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and so that, I mean, and there's other examples of that too. There are a lot, like you said, the setting of the bombs takes yeah. a really long time. Oh, so you can kind you can kind of justify that by saying, well, it's the first time we've seen Steve McQueen and Paul Newman together since the beginning of the movie. But even so, it's like it just takes way too but long. But again, we're talking um, about you show them go, OK, let's go set the bombs. And you move a bit of dialogue between Bill Holden or something else to fill in that time while they're upstairs setting the bomb. Yeah. You cut to them a just a couple of times putting a bomb down and then you get yeah. back to dialogue that's taking place that, right. you, that is going to be in the movie anyway. So you just condense it. Yeah. Be- because, well, because like, like I said earlier about process, I mean, the setting of the bombs is not all that interesting to watch, you know, no. in terms of, in terms of process, all we really need to know is that they're doing it. So actually watching them do it, isn't that interesting because it's just okay put some plastic on the bottom of the tank okay put this over here stick this we've all seen people set bombs in movies before we know what it does they put the plastic in they put the little wire in Mm. you know we don't need to watch five minutes of that we get it we get to see Um, them do it once quickly yeah Yeah. and that's it so also steve how many fucking bombs did they set oh my god so many because every time that, you think, okay, they're all off, right? And then another one goes off. And you're like, okay, what's exploding now? Yeah, did, weren't be... they all on the same timer? <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought you said five minutes. <laughs> Why aren't they still going off? <sighs> um, so but that's, that, that brings me to another thing, which is, I mean, I, I guess technically it's a criticism, but it's one of the things that made the movie more enjoyable to watch, which is uh-huh. there are time, which is there, there are times when it is unintentionally hilarious. Sure. Um, it got, and I think part of that was my reacting to the length of it was I got to a point in the movie where anytime somebody died, I laughed. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, and I mean, cause like, I think the, the idea of it is to create tension. It's like, Oh, you never know who's going to die. You know, like when, when Fred Astaire's lady friend falls out of the elevator unexpectedly, yeah. it's like, Oh shit, I didn't think they'd kill her. Fuck. You know, like. But it gets to a point where it just becomes funny. Like that that scene I mentioned earlier with Robert Wagner catching fire. It's absolutely hysterical. And then his girlfriend, the, the secretary, runs out and almost the exact same thing happens to her. And she falls out the window. It's like, oh, I get, both of those characters are dead. Shit. Well, she breaks, <laughs> you know? she breaks a window because she can't breathe. And yeah. then she gets sucked out the window. And she gets sucked out the window. So, you know, and I just, after after a certain point, I thought it was funny because... I never, I, I felt nothing for these characters. You know, they were just bodies in the movie. And other than Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, everyone in here is fodder. Like they all could have died and I wouldn't have given a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Newman and McQueen come across really good. I think Steve McQueen especially has like some Steve McQueen badass moments that really, yeah. you know, hold the movie together. Like when he says, I'll go up on the, on the elevator with a cable on, on a helicopter. Yeah, but and he you're like, oh. you notice what's great about that is he doesn't say it like no, he does. He doesn't have like swagger. He does it like, well, I guess somebody's got to do it, so I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the same thing. There's a really nice moment for him when they tell him about the plan for setting the bombs on the water tanks. Yeah, and they kind of pitch it to him as a suicide mission because he says, "Yep, you know, because because you know he he says like, well, after I set all the bombs, how am I going to get back down?" And they're like, "Well, you're not." And he takes it in for a moment and then mm-hmm. just says, "Well, shit." Yep, and th- and then he does it because yeah. it has to be done because he knows Good. how to do it and it has to be done and he does it. Um, so yeah, there was moments like that that I thought were um, because of so, Steve yeah. McQueen. 
because it's Steve McQueen. And yeah, like like we said, he plays it just right. He doesn't play it like, you know, a quippy, I'm a hero. Like yeah. I'm a hero. Like with yeah, he's he's like, I'm here to do a job. This is what the job needs. Mm-hmm. If if there's any hope of saving these people, then I have to do this, even if I could die. So I'm just give me the bomb. Just let me do what I need to do. Um, very no nonsense. Yep. So I, the movie is too long. It is sometimes unintentionally funny. It doesn't have any. It doesn't have anything to say. Like there's no deeper meaning other than perhaps that the designers of high-rise buildings should consult more closely with the fire department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a spectacle. It's melodrama. It's a vehicle to watch movie stars get beat up and do some cool stunts and repeatedly receive bad news over the phone. Yep. Uh, which happens a lot, not just for William Holden. But, but for, Paul Newman like, gets bad. Paul He's Newman the one that... is like, it's like, it gets to a point where you're like, don't pick up the phone. It's going to be bad news. You know that plan we had? Well, the helicopter blew up. Oh, fuck. Mm. You know, although you don't have, I mean, he, Paul Newman saw that shit. They didn't need to call him about that. Right. He was right there when that fucking helicopter exploded. Um, but anyway, like it, it works on, on enough levels. It, it hits the targets that it seems to be aiming at. Um, it is mostly entertaining to watch. I wasn't in, I wasn't engrossed, uh, but I wasn't bored either. So I'm recommending it. Um, it's, it's the sort of movie that I'll probably never have a reason to watch again. Uh, but it is what it is. And I didn't think it was, and I didn't think it was bad. So I will give it a moderate recommend. So there you go. Your turn. This is a long piece of shit. I can't, (laughs) I recognize the things that are great at it, and the things that yeah. are great on it are Paul Newman's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are earning their money, but they are not, they're doing some stuff in here that's great. Um, I agree with Steve about Steve McQueen's performance. He is not being a typical hero. He's a guy who knows his job, he knows what to do. He, he sounds like a man who's used to giving commands to his fellow firefighters. You buy him, you buy him as a fire chief. You really do. Um, totally. There are sh- certain shots in here that are effective like at the end when the fire is done and you see steve come out and he looks down a a corridor and it's just lined with the covered bodies of his fellow firefighters yeah that there's a toll that took place right and the thing is is that that scene has more impact we never really saw too many there's one kind of gruesome scene where a body falls down the elevator shaft and it's one of the firefighters and he's on fire Yeah. yeah and it's kind of, and Steve McQueen has to take that in, handle it, and tell another rookie, "Listen, this is the job. You gotta get, you gotta yeah. keep moving. Yeah, keep going. Because the, yeah. the guy's going like, I can't climb down this rope. I'm gonna fall. I know I'm gonna fall. And he doesn't yell at him. He doesn't slap him and say, you know, suck it up. He, but I mean, he basically says the same thing by saying, "This is the job, and you can do this. You can go down." He's yeah. a really, this is a really great character. I just wish it was a really great character that wasn't surrounded by a bunch of cartoon characters yeah. that fill out the rest of the cast, right? Yeah, that's fair. People that I gave a shit about, and I don't, I don't care about Fred Astaire and his stupid love subplot or whatever. <laughs> You know that the kids and the cat are just in there so that people can worry about the kids and the cat. We don't give a shit about either one of them pieces of shit not answering the door. That poor lady is literally choking to death, banging on a door. But no, Paul Newman has to go inside and grab him. Um, 
And, you know, there are little little things in there, like the fire, all the fire that's in the movie that's on the inside of the sets. You know that those are gas gas produced fires because they have no smoke. And if they had had smoke, this would have been a much different movie. <laughs> um, and, you know, I do appreciate it, but I just wish it was I wish they had an economy of story. They could have they could have written this and edited this to a degree that would have taken at least an hour off. Right. Yeah. I don't need that much time with Robert Wagner establishing that he's having having a relationship with his secretary, right? Right. We introduce him. Hi, I'm Robert Wagner. A little bit later, he gets up out of bed and smells smoke. That's it. Yeah. They give us stuff for characters that they know we're going to later on. We don't give a shit. We have a whole conversation between him and his girlfriend about whether we're going to tell anybody, or, oh, this is a secret, yeah. or, oh, this and that. And then we spend 10 minutes doing that, and then someone goes, she says, is someone burning toast or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Or did you not put out your cigarette? And then they die. And all of this could have been handled better. I was, I've, I saw this movie when I was a kid. I thought it was boring then because it wasn't <laughs> Star Wars. But, I mean, watching it now, I can appreciate some of the performances. Um, I, I think this movie is never going to be remade because of, of our history at this point. I don't think anyone's going to touch the t- No one's going to remake which is fine. But watching it now, a couple of performances and a couple of sequences do not make an enter- entertaining time with me. I saw the effort that went into it. But there's also a part of me that's like, oh, they just threw everything at this to make this as big and, you know, um, epic as possible. And the epic doesn't work up. It just doesn't work up. I got to give a shit. Did I like it when Richard Chamberlain died? Yeah. Was he being the worst evil person at the moment that he died? Yeah, he was. (laughs) Yes, he was. Robert Vaughn was actually playing a fairly decent dude. Yeah. And he was trying to get them off of the chair and he went out with the chair when it went out. Right. And then Richard Chamberlain kicks him off. We don't even get to see his body fall. We just see him go, and he's gone. (laughs) And he's gone. Um, And are there funny things in it? When I was watching it, it was like, who built this? Who who decided? You know what? The San Andreas Fault is not that far away from this building. (laughs) Where should we put the world's tallest skyscraper? (laughs) I know. In the city that's famous for one of the worst earthquakes in American history. But I'm not going to recommend it simply because it's yeah. it's just boring. Maybe if you've never seen it before, maybe you're, but I, it has literally been 40 years since I've seen this. I remember bits and pieces of it. I totally blanked OJ Simpson. I had that he was in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that there were, you know, there were characters that, uh, um, you know, that were of color that played, that weren't playing servants. Uh, one was a firefighter, the guy from RoboCop, and the other was the security guard. And both survived to the end. Congratulations, movie. You didn't do what they typically did. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to write it's It's, it's t- Steve. I don't know how you managed to get through this. I looked at the length no, I and totally... I went, Steve's yeah. not doing this. <laughs> He's not doing no, this. I, honestly, I balked at the length when I first... When I first looked it up to watch it and I saw how long it was, I was like, oh. <laughs> you yeah. know, because you know what a baby I am about running yeah. time. But I, yeah. But if you're interested in seeing just how fucking ugly the early 70s were as far as interior design and fashion. Oh, my God. Those offices are nightmares. Yeah. They, deser- like, they deserve to burn. Oh, no. The lunatics are designing everything because everything was god awful. Orange. And with yeah. wood panel and ugh, yeah, I'm glad it burned. Anyway, <laughs> um, Steve. Yes. 
I recommend. You said recommend. I said now recommend. Correct. Right? So but I will, yes. Not recommend. And I will recommend. So you go first. I will not recommend another disaster movie hmm. that I, I believe, you know, as I give, I'm giving sort of, a, if, if we were Siskel and Ebert, I'd be giving it a marginal thumbs up to Towering Inferno. Uh, the movie I am not recommending was be a, a movie that I will give a more definite thumbs down to. Okay. Um, it, it's also a disaster movie. It's also uh, produced by Irwin Allen. Mm. Uh, it's actually also directed by Irwin Allen. Okay. Although I think this is evidence that maybe that was not the best use of Irwin Allen's skills to direct a movie. It's from a few years after Towering Inferno, 1978 to be exact. I know. And, and it is. it also has an all-star cast. That also actually, coincidentally, includes Richard Chamberlain. Wow. And it also includes Henry Fonda. Oh, yeah. And Fred McMurray. Who? Patty Duke. <laughs> Just and Catherine Ross. I know, Catherine Ross. And a fellow by the name of Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> He's the star of the picture. I'm talking, of course, about The Swarm, which. Is 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 famous as not only one of the worst of the disaster movies, but one of the worst movies ever made. Period. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's um, it's a it's movie about, about a, bees. It's about a, it's about a swarm of bees. That would be the swarm. Isn't that terrifying, and, everyone? Aren't you just yeah. scared down to your boots? Oh no! What are those bees doing? <laughs> coming over here? I heard these got, bees have knives. Do they have I've knives? Got, we've got to stop. The base from uh, coming it, over here. It, it's called a yeah. flamethrower, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's killer bees, and uh, that's basically the deal. And it's <laughs> it's 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 not as long as Towering Inferno. At least the Thank theatrical cut is not as long as Towering Inferno. Mm. Um, there, I, I'm noticing. I haven't seen this version, but apparently there is a 156 minute version that was released on Laserdisc in the 90s. I do not have any idea what Why? sadistic bastard Who allowed was that to happen. For that? Who was like, you know, I didn't get enough. If only it were 40 form. minutes longer. <laughs> Who thought that about this movie? But no, it's it's a bad movie. It's it feels like it's longer than it is. It's incredibly boring. It's incredibly silly and not in a good way. Um, so yeah, my disaster movie that I am not recommending is the all star disaster, The Swarm. Well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed, and it's 1974. And I'm telling all of you to run out and watch Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Thanks. <gasps> oh, I know, boy. You're speaking directly to me. If you don't, if you don't like kaiju, don't watch it. But this one is Godzilla fighting a robot version of himself. Do I need to say anything else? Yeah, is the the title is basically the pitch for the movie. Yeah, that's exactly right. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. There's no plot. If there is a plot, I don't care. The plot is in the title. Godzilla fights Mechagodzilla. The plot is the same as every Godzilla movie. It's true. Some Godzilla, a little tiny bit of Godzilla stuff happens in the beginning. There's a whole bunch of human stuff that makes no sense and you have no reason to care about. And then a bunch more Godzilla stuff happens at the end and you're happy. That's right. Just like every Godzilla movie. Just like every like. Godzilla movie. Yes, every Godzilla movie. And even when the American companies that are making modern Godzilla copy it step by step, Godzilla <laughs> lovers go, eh, there's not enough Godzilla in it. And it's like, what have you been watching? Okay, so you've never actually watched a Godzilla movie. That's right. Just or you a, only watched the fights. Right. You've seen like YouTube clips or something of the fights, and you've never actually watched a Godzilla movie because they're all like that. Yeah. Hey, Steve. 
Yes, Jason. Because this movie review is going up late, I've decided that we're going to do another viewer's choice. <gasps> Huzzah! Yay. So anyone listening to this, if you're a Patreon patron, go to the Patreon website. There is a post there specifically telling you about how late this this podcast is, but also (laughs) notifying you that it's viewer's choice time again. So leave your comment on that post as to what you would like us to review. Once I get all of them, if any of them have more than one vote or whoever has the most votes, that automatically wins. But if it's a tie again... Between twenty five <laughs> different movies, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Steve pick one, and that's the one we're gonna do. So please go to the Patreon website, and put down what you want us to review, and remember, you don't have to go by my dopey rules about it being at least ten years old or whatever. You anything goes, anything you want. Okay, now, but that's not done yet. We don't have those movies, yet. right? So, so you get to make. <gasps> A terrible choice. Oh, boy. I will tell you that now Steve does not know what these movies are. I have selected three films. Steve has to make a blind choice as to which one we're going to review next. Between A, B, and C. I will give him a hint. This is from a filmmaker that we have not done yet. Ooh. So, Steve. Yes. Please. A, B, or C. (sighs) I'm making my mind a blank. The first letter that comes into my head will be my choice. C. Okay. C. You want to know who the filmmaker is? Yeah, I would love to. He's a local boy to you. He is. He's quite famous. I think I know who you're going to say, but go ahead. Who do you think I'm going to say? Barry Levinson. How about them, Apple? Oh, well, he was the other one I was thinking. He wasn't the first one. He wasn't the first one who came to mind, though. I'm not saying it's not Barry Levinson. Another Baltimore boy. It's the more fun one. I was thinking. Yeah. Mr. John Waters. That's right, John Ah. Waters. So had you chosen A, Steve and I would have white-knuckled our way through. Oh, I haven't watched Pink Flamingo since I was like 17 years old. Oh, really? On a dare? Did you watch it? No, I I really wanted to see it. Oh, did you? Okay, good. Yeah. Had had you chosen B, we would have watched a review. Polyester. Ah. But you chose C. I did. So the next movie we're going to review is the hilarious... Just chock full. I love Eddie Edith Massey so god. But she's in it, along with Divine, in the class <laughs> Female Trouble. So if you guys oh want to get all the jokes, then rush out and watch Female Trouble before the next podcast drops. And that's it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I feel like I've been running up and down the stairs of the Tower Inferno for two weeks. I'm done. For late seating, this is Jason Harding. Go see a movie this week. This is Steve Shives. Hey, are you here to take me on or the fire? Why can't we do both? I don't understand. I didn't, why you, I didn't realize you were into that kind of play. I mean, I could are you saying you, you Are you saying you want to have a three-way with spray. me and the fire? That's right. Spray some lighter fluid around. Oh, yeah. The fire like that. Wait, you're not supposed to be into it. <laughs> Oh, 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 I'm sorry. How dare you, sir? Okay, now you're just faking bad. Can't you, like, okay, put a well, little protestation? Wait, first, we need a okay. safe word. What's the, oh, what, no. what, what do you want to use for the safe Fire. No, we can't, no, oh, we can't work. use fire in fireplay. Um, um uh, helmet. No, helmet. 
You don't All want right, any fire-related or fire department-related words? No, it has to be something unique because when we get okay, confused, I got it. When I I'm dressed it. like a fireman and I set you on fire and I have to put you out with my hose, you see where that's going? Okay, okay see, okay, hose was my next one I was going to say. No, so never mind. God okay. damn it. Okay, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got okay. it. Strawberry. <laughs> All right, strawberry it is. Get them off. Okay. I'm going to set up the charcoal. Okay. All right, say bye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Strawberry. Strawberry. Wait, already? <laughs> I lost my nerve. Oh, son of a bitch. How many of our shows have to intimate them? I, a lot of them, apparently. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.